Welcome to EQ2 LFG, the unofficial EverQuest 2 podcast where we take a look at the world of Norath from the player's perspective. News and updates, strats and secrets, bugs and bonuses. It's all right here, right now. Welcome back everybody to EQ2 LFG. I'm Trin and I'm joined today by Marina. Hello! And today we're going to talk about the Four Ascension Archetype, as well as give you guys a Tier 2 Raid Mob script. We'd also mentioned talking about the Burnt Key quest, but we're probably not going to have time for that today. If you'd like a little walkthrough, I do have my own personal experience with the Burnt Key quest on our website. I recorded it on Twitch and uploaded it to YouTube. So if you want to find that, it's really easy. You just go to our website at www.eq2lfg.com. Click on the media. It's got a link to both the Twitch channel and the YouTube channel. So if you go into the YouTube channel and just search Burnt Key, you'll find that video. I do a little bit of a walkthrough. I didn't really start recording until I was already in there and doing things, walking around and such. You'll get to see me in there with one of my alts who happened to get the Burnt Key, how I got there, what I did while I was there. It wasn't that bad. So now we're just going to get right into the show. All right, Marina, there are four different Ascension classes. You have your Elementalist, your Geomancer, your Etherealist, and your Thaumaturgist. I can never say that right. It's Thaumaturge. (laughs) You have two that you mostly use, and then I've got actually the opposite two that I mostly use. So I'm going to go ahead and let you start with the Etherealist. Okay, yeah, um... It works out really nice because we both can talk about them then. On my courser, well, when we first learned about the Ascension classes, there wasn't a whole lot of information about it. We didn't know. All we knew is just kind of a general archetype. So people were picking Ascension classes based on the type of damage they did. And so because my courser does magic damage, I thought, well, you know, the Etherealist would be the one to go with. And so that's what I picked. And so as an Etherealist with her... It turns out that it works out pretty well and and complements the Coercer's abilities. When you first look at the abilities that you get for any of your Ascensions, there's going to be 11 abilities. At 1, 5, and 10, those are the ones that buff your potency. And at 10, that's the biggest of the three. And you probably don't want to waste your time or money or anything. We'll we'll get into that in a minute on leveling up your first and fifth Ascension abilities because level 10 uh, replaces those and gives you a really big, nice potency buff. So you get 11 abilities. And for the Etherealist, you get two AoEs with teleports involved. The first one is Ether Flash. It's an area effect damage. It'll teleport you to your allies. So if you're like targeting to the tank, you might want to really think about that because it'll teleport you and put you in front of the mob. And if that mob has a frontal AOE and you're not prepared for that, you're going to teleport and die. <laughs> I've had that happen. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I, this, is, this is empirical you know, evidence right here that I've had this happen. Yeah, it happened. Um, then there is an implosion and it creates kind of like this, ruling vortex ability that draws all the enemies that are within range that brings them in and then it explodes doing a lot of damage and it puts a nice big slow on the target so it's kind of a nice ability as well then you get three direct damage abilities the big one that everybody was really griping about and it got nerfed at one point but it still is a big bada boom i mean it does a lot of damage especially if you pair it up with all your potency buffs and everything else going you, you time it just right it's called ether shadow assassin it'll teleport you to the target it takes 80 percent of your power and it deals one point of damage for each point of power multiplied by the spell's tier before modification. 
So that's a big, big boom. 11 bolt, direct damage, and then cascading force, which is also direct damage spells that has hits the target five times. So it has boom, 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 boom. You really have to be careful, though, because if you're working on a mob that you have to control your damage on and you use cascading force because it's a dot a damage over time. I have gotten in trouble for using this when we were trying to control damage and stop damage at a certain point because the spell keeps going and it's a lot of damage. Yeah, it's a lot of damage. So, yeah, you have to be really careful with that. Also, you have to be careful with some of these things because a lot of them, a lot, I won't say a lot, but there are several mobs that have, they have aggro issues anyway, and they like to like change targets. And you can all of a sudden find yourself tanking a mob that you weren't really intending on tanking because you've rip the aggro at such a critical time where the tank couldn't like yank it back or whatever. Then there's three group buffs that um, as an etherealist that you get. One is Siphon Fervor. It's a group fervor buff and that's a really nice buff. It raises the group's fervor. Ethereal Conduit, it's a potency increaser. At Journeyman, it monitors the power usage and grants potency for every thousand points of power spent. But they were thinking when they made this one, which I thought, Boo, boo, because you know how you can put that little, you know, run speed buff on yourself to burn power? Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. You can't do that <laughs> to try consume a lot of power to get that potency up. It won't work. Tried it. Nope, nope. Well, what if you get a power drain? So a power drain would not work. You have to spend it. It says for every 1,000 power spent, you have to spend it. So draining it would not be a spend. And then Ethermancy, it's a potency increaser for group members as well. It's an initial boost to potency and then an increase after 50% of target's power is drained. So you want to use that at the beginning of the fight to get the biggest bang for your buck on that one. And then it adds an additional boost to potency to the power based on the amount of power drained off of the mob. So you want to use that right away the way I understand it and the way I use it. So that's where you get your biggest hits is right right away because you're draining, draining that power down and it's got a big power pool. Later on in the fight, it might not have a power pool, especially if the mages and the coursers and the and illies are sucking power off of the mob. So that pretty much with the Etherealist. It's pretty powerful, especially that Ether Shadow Assassin. I've seen <laughs> I've seen some mobs hurt pretty badly with that when everything's timed up just right. It's big bataboom. Now, one thing that we forgot to mention in the beginning was there are seven tiers to these abilities. So you kind of have to level them up the same way that you would level up normal spells or combat arts in your spell book. Right. You can't, you know, like with your, like with your regular combat arts or your regular spells, you can, you know, jump tiers. You can go from apprentice all the way to master. If you, if you get lucky enough to get the master, you can go from one tier to the final tier all in one fell swoop. Grandmaster and ancients, you know, a little bit different, but you still can go in one fell swoop to master. With these ascensions, you can you have to go from one tier to the next tier. You have to stair step it all the way up to grandmaster. You can research it, but you have to research each tier. Huge time sink. Huge, huge, huge. Especially when you're working with, you know, what do we say? Eight eight um abilities. Eight abilities outside of the potency buff. If you get lucky, you can get the scrolls and you can find a trade skiller that can can create those spells for you through trade skilling and each specific ascension class has a specific trade skill class associated with it or you can use daybreak cash and that takes 
lots and lots of cash. And I think I heard somebody say that it's like to get it all the way from apprentice all the way up to grandmaster is 70,000 day rate cash per ability. So that's like $70 real life money per ascension ability. Yes, I did that on one spell. Now we're talking, this is a huge time sink and or huge amounts of real life cash. If you think about it, there's four ascension classes. Each ascension class has 11 abilities. That's 44 different abilities that you would need to upgrade and possibly purchase. At 70 bucks a pop, that's a lot of money. Holy cow. Somebody has, they went and grandmastered all of theirs, their one ascension. So I won a grandmaster during a raid, but I only had the apprentice version of it in my spell book. And so I purchased, it took me about $50, but I purchased all of the tiers going up to master. And then I was able to use that grandmaster. Now I made sure I did it on the level 10 potency buff so that it was definitely worth it. I would definitely recommend not doing that on level one or level five spells because those are the ones that you're going to be replacing. So I wouldn't spend any money or waste any rares or any time researching the level one or five spells. On the, yeah, on the one or five. Trent, how, what was the difference between the journeyman and the grandmaster? Because I know at journeyman it's 14% at the level 10 ascension ability. Do you remember what it was or can you call offhand? No, but I gained like two to 3,000 potency off of it. So it was definitely worth it for me. A lot. That's a lot. Yeah, it's definitely worth doing it on that level 10 spell. Pretty significant. Yeah. So how about you and geomancy? What do you like about geomancy? Yeah, so my Templar has a lot of physical damage debuffs. So I went ahead and started her on the Geomancy line because I felt like that was the best fit. So for Geomancer, the very first damage spell that you get is called Stonehammer. And then you've got Terrene Destruction. It increases base auto attack multiplier by 55. The next one is a Root. And this one's pretty cool. I've used this a lot and got myself in trouble because this one does Root raid mobs. Now that root can come in handy, for example, if you're in the Kasora zone where you need to stop the mob from continuing on the path, you can root them and that will give you more time to DPS. So if you're working on a mob that has to be moved around, you definitely don't want to use Terrestrial Coffin because it will root every single mob. It rarely resists. It will really annoy your tank. Yes, I really ticked off the tank with this one. So be careful with Terrestrial Coffin. You can hear the mouth hitting the wall across the room. <laughs> the next big damage spell for the Geomancers is called Mudslide, and this is huge. This is the biggest one that we have for Geomancer. So it has a quick little two-second stun, but based on your potency, if you get that up really high, maybe using Rising Tide, I've seen it hit for one to two billion. It's crazy. So we've got two more damage spells, Telluric Rending and Erosion. And Erosion is a dot, which is damage over time. The one really good utility spell for Geomancers is called Obsidian Mind. It reduces physical damage done to the caster by 3.3% and makes you immune to root, fear, stifle, stun, daze, mez, and most knockback effects. You would use this if you got any kind of cue from the mob that they were about to stun you or stifle you because it does take a while to cast and it doesn't last for very long. 
And as my main being a Templar, it already takes me a really long time to cast, even with 100% casting speed. Yeah, well, you know, such is life. Be a defiler. <laughs> I've got some other requests, too. If anybody's listening out there, I'd like to be able to cast and run. Oh, come on. Yeah, cast on the run would be awesome. But... Yeah, but I've been waiting 12 years for that. I don't expect it anytime soon. Rangers have been waiting for to be able to bow on the run forever and a day, too. They took that away. Game update 13. I remember that day. Day Rangers died. <laughs> All right. So tell us about the... Um... The Thaumaturge? Yeah, I can never say that one. Go ahead. Okay, the Thaumaturge. I really like it. You know, I've I've always played that song that utility is utility is utility. And so for me, this was a perfect ascension class for my dirge because bards are utility. Bards are supposed to improve and augment. And this worked out really well. As with all the other um, ascension abilities, you get the three forms for the potency buff. They get one, five, and ten with sanguine encasement, shelter, and then sanguine embrace, which um, journeyman gives you 14% potency. Then the big thing I think for the thaumaturge is we get this verdict capability called tainted mutation. It lasts for six minutes. You can cast it close to the end of the fight. And then when the mob hits 3% health, it takes it down to a point and then boom, the mob's dead. So I, I know that inquisitors are kind of miffed about that because they put all these points into their verdict so they could cast it. But with this ability, now they can take those AA's points and put it someplace else that would be more beneficial to them. Then we have a life tap that's really nice. It's called blood contract. It damages the mob and it returns health to you. That lasts about 12 seconds with a tick every 1.7 seconds, and it's a pretty significant bump back to you. So that's really nice. We have a death prevent. It's called revocation of life. It lasts for eight seconds, and that ticks damage for eight seconds. But And then when the person dies, if they're going to die, um, they come up with 80% life, which is really nice. So like I said, it's pretty utilitarian. Then uh, the other abilities that we get are toxic life, which increases the amount of noxious damage the tar target takes. Withering, which also increases the amount of noxious damage. And then necrotic caress, which reduces the auto attack multiplier. So that works out really nice too. You cast that at the beginning of the fight when you're just trying to get settled in and everything and reduces the damage that everybody's taking initially and stuff. And then you go um, with septic strike and virulent outbreak. Those are the damage abilities. So again, mostly the Thaumaturge is a utilitarian type, I think, ascension class. And if you like utility, and I think there should be one or two people that carry that on each raid force because it's just nice to have some of those debuffs and stuff. Yes, definitely. So the last one is the Elementalist. Now the Elementalist is for those DPS nuts. I think our good friend Kinza had mentioned that that was her favorite, and I know she loves doing DPS, and she's really good at it. Early on at level 3, they get a fervor debuff called Thermal Depletion. So for their big damage spells, they got Wildfire at level 2, Scorched Earth at level 4, which is a damage over time. Then they have Glacial Freeze at level 8, which is also a strike through debuff. And then level 9, their big AoE hit is the Frozen Heavens. On the Glacial Freeze, that's pretty nice. It decreases the strike through chance. That's nice for your tanks. To, they're sitting up there getting hit. Yeah, that's really nice. So the utility part of this would be Bulwark of Grime, which reduces the elemental damage of the caster. And then they've got a debuff called Brittle Armor, which decreases combat mitigation and can stack. So that's Elementalist in a nutshell. I have one tune that's working on that one. She's just really starting it, so I haven't figured it all out yet, but this is quite a bit to chew. Now the nice thing about these ascensions is once you complete 
one of your ascensions, you get a really nice earring, really nice earring, a mythical earring. And if you master all four of the ascension abilities, you get this charm that is, oh, my God. When I saw that, I was like, okay, I got to get all four of them. How am I ever going to do that? Because it's a mythical and it's a relic. So you're going to have to pick and choose your relics because you're only allowed two relics and one greater relic. But it gives you 15 overcap the fervor. So that's, oh, my God, very nice. Very, very nice. You look at it and you just, ah. (laughs) Yeah, and just to go along with that, every time you finish an ascension, you get an earring. So if you finish the Geomancer, you get the Geomancer earring. If you finish the Elementalist, you get the Elementalist earring. And you can collect all four. Become a master of them all. Yes, and once you collect all four, then you get that charm. Now, something that we forgot to mention at the beginning was anytime you're using these potency buffs for the Ascension, and you get these potency buffs at level 1, 5, and 10, what it also does is it changes your outgoing damage to correlate with that specific ascension. So for an elementalist, it's gonna convert all of your damage into cold damage. For a geomancer, it's gonna convert all of your damage into crushing, thermaturgist. It's going to convert it all into noxious. And for the etherealist, it's going to all be magic damage. Now the nice thing about these earrings are, and this is the caveat to all of this hoopla over getting all these ascensions, they are all heirlooms. So Once you put them on and then you get something else that you like better, you can buy it. And I'm going to put a plug in for Daybreak here. You can buy a nifty little handy-dandy unattuner and unattune it and pass it on to one of your other characters that you want to kind of beef up and everything. So that's the one caveat to this whole grinding the ascensions is that these things are actually heirlooms. They can be passed on. They're not no trade like a lot of quest items can turn out to be no trade. These are actually tradable. Also, if you have a gold membership and your subscription renews each month and you get that 500 daybreak cash, what you can do with that is sometimes you'll get a little pop-up message and it'll give you a discounted price on certain items. And every time that's come up for me personally, I've seen the unattuner on there at like half price. So that would be something that you could also do to get those earrings onto other tunes because they are heirloom. So the next thing that we're going to talk about is the two-tier raid mob script. We had decided on a raid mob for you guys. It is Goris the Grey. Gorius the Grey, a big, goopy, blobby. Um, is he like a goblin? He's a goblin. Yeah, he's a goo goblin. He's been, he got caught up in that whole nightmare that you find happens in Kunark Ascending. When you get down into the crypt of down near, they're doing nasty experiments on these poor little goblins. And one goblin has become Gorius the Grey. He's a blobby goblin. I like this fight. I, I don't do anything on this fight, but flip switches back and forth. When you approach the area where there is, the fight's going to take place, you'll see two banks of circuit breakers, which is the old-fashioned Dr. Frankenstein big levers that are U-shaped that you click them up and you click them down. And when you click them down, it makes a a connection. It closes the circuit. Well, during the fight, as the fight starts, you have to open up those circuits and keep them open. And then periodic throughout the fight, Gorius is going to transport. Oh, I forgot to tell you. On the backside of these two banks of circuit breakers, you'll see two big tubes, two big green tubes, and they have doors on them. Well, periodically during this fight, 
Gorius is going to port into one of those tubes. And depending on which tube he ports into, there's a bank of circuit breakers that correspond to that tube. So you have to close the circuit. You have to drop the circuit breakers down one by one. And then there's a lever at the end that you have to pull when you click on it to open the door to bring him out of the, the tube. If he stays in there too long, he gains a counter and he starts regenerating health. There's also ads that come during out, throughout the fight periodically. You have to take those ads down as well. There are several bail conditions on this fight that makes this fight really interesting. If you misclick on those levers, ooh, I have never done this. If you misclick on those levers, you get some sparks that come out and they flap you and you're dead. If you get you first and if they don't take care of the sparks, they can get the rest of the people in the raid too. You know, it starts augmenting itself. But yeah, it'll flap you, which also sets up another condition and that Gorius starts getting counters because you haven't opened that door back up to get him out of the tube so he starts gaining you know increments on that counter which makes him hit harder and harder to kill then if you get too many ads that build up if you get three ads or more that's a fail condition and you'll wipe the raid and then if you take too long to kill him that's a fail condition and the raid is done because he gets tired of playing with you and he just goes boop you're dead <laughs> so how long do you have to kill him I think this was an 18-minute fight, if I recall correctly. So when the ads come along and they maybe hit someone who's standing at the circuit breaker who's in charge of making the switches, what happens if that person dies? Or can someone come along and click it for them, but will that throw everything off? No, if somebody else is clicking when you think that you're supposed to be clicking and they reach over and click for you, that's when you get those sparks. That's, a, that's set up as a fail condition because... They will kill you, they'll kill whoever clicked the switch that wasn't supposed to be clicking the switch, and then they come back and they start whacking people, whack-a-mole and people in the raid. We've been really fortunate when that's happened that they've been in, we've got people strong enough and fast enough that they get those, those sparks and they kill them right away before they, they wreak havoc on the raid. So it's good to have a main assist that's paying attention to not only the ads, but the sparks that pop. Now, is there a particular percentage that he pours himself in, or is that just random? No, it's a, it's, I think it's, I think he ports at 90, the first port happens like at 94%, I think, and then it's 80, 60, I'm, I'm thinking it's 80, 60, 40, 20, and then 10, I think. It seems, that seems right to me. I think the first one happens at 94%. Oh, and the thing that I forgot to tell you is that there is a double tap noxious cure that has to happen. That noxious that's on you slows you by 100%. Oh yeah, that makes everything so much slower. I'll be in the middle of casting Rising Tide and then that Noxious will come up. And when I was casting the Rising Tide, I was thinking I was going to get two, maybe three ascensions off in that proc setting. And then all of a sudden, my I'm so slow that I can't even get one off. And as a healer, you're trying to cast that cure really fast but you can't because you're slowed so it it makes everybody slower and everybody's kind of yelling at you to hurry up and cure but your cast speed's so slow that it doesn't even matter well i personally i i i self-cure one of those noxious um i use nox pots on myself and i self-cure one so the other thing that happens when that noxious hits is all of a sudden everything's black you can't see anything and if you're working those levers and he ports when that nox hits it sucks because he's sitting in that tube, gaining increments and regenerating health, and you can't see anything. 
to, you know, click those levers to get them out of there. So that's why I personally use on um, one of those knock counters, I personally use a, um, a pot on myself just so that I get cleared from that detriment faster so I can see sooner so I can see if I'm the one that has to be clicking levers. Because you're one of our designated circuit breakers. Yeah, I'm a circuit breaker. I'm a circuit breaker person. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's the first one is like at 94, and then because I'm, I'm so busy watching everything else, detriments and everything else that are coming and going, that um, I forget to look at percentages. But I'm thinking it's 86, 94, 80, 60, 40, 20, and then either 10 or 5. I don't think he ports at 5, does he? No. I think he ports at 10. I'm, I'm thinking that's what it is. I, I, I'm bad about paying attention to percentages at times. I, I learn them initially and then I forget them because it just becomes routine and by rote. I just see that he starts targeting everybody because once he ports, his aggro is flipping all over the place. I have him targeted and his aggro is flipping all over the place. That's how I know he's ported because all of a sudden he's not porting, uh, targeting our tank or off tank. He's porting it, targeting everybody else. All right, well, that's going to wrap up the Tier 2 Raid script. And if you guys have any topics that you want us to talk about or you want to hear explained, whether it's mechanics, raid mobs, crafting, anything, really, uh, we're not saying that we're the know-it-all, end-all, be-alls, but we're pretty dug into the community, and we will find the information for you because we've been around for a while. Way too many. 1999 when I started with the EverQuest one, and... um made a lot of incredible friends along the way. And I hope to continue making incredible friends because it's an awesome game. I love it. All right. I also wanted to point out that last week they did the AMAs live, uh, not the American Music Awards, (laughs) the um, Ask Me Anything. And that was when the devs came on and they offered up themselves to trolling and all kinds of nonsense. But they allowed everybody to ask questions live in general chat on every single server. So I know that Felden over at EQ2Wire has all the transcripts from that posted. If you guys want to check that out, I will put a link in the show notes for that. AMA, ask me anything. I have to put this kudos out to the devs. I'm telling you, I was observing the AMAs on our server the other night. And I there were some legitimate questions I was asked and stuff. And then there were some just like really jerky questions. And the devs just kept their and I have to say kudos to you if you're listening. Kudos, 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 because that was pretty, you know, that had a lot of chutzpah in there to, for you to come out there and, and make yourself a target like that. I really appreciated it. I know a lot of people did. So kudos on that. I like that. I like the fact that you guys did that. <laughs> yeah, they put themselves out there. That's for sure. But they did say or mention at some point that they were going to try to do that on a more systematic schedule. So maybe a little more regularly. They didn't say how often they didn't really make any commitments to us as to, you know, once a month or once a week or whatever, but we will be looking forward to that. And then we will bring you guys whatever news that we get. Yes. And I, I, I for what appreciate you know, what I was able to read because we were rating, <laughs> we were rating when they were doing their AMA. Um, I did get one question in there, but I don't know. I didn't see if they answered it or not. I did like the fact that they did it during peak play hours. So it was sort of like the high traffic time where they would have gotten the most people on at one time. And of course, there's always going to be trolls, but you're going to have trolls in any community, in any game, anywhere, really, anywhere that you have other people behind a keyboard and screen, you're going to have trolls. So it is what it is. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Don't feed the trolls. Don't feed the trolls. (laughs) Yeah. 
Okay, for the next episode, we're going to go over items that you should have in your bag. Now, these are just suggestions that Marina and I gathered that we thought would be good for anybody who plays solo or starting out, all the way to the people who do endgame and rating stuff. And it's items, we break down different categories, different tiers, and we talk about just things that are really good for you to have in your bag at all times. Now, if you do have a show topic idea, please email us at admin at eq2lfg.com or you can follow us on Twitter at EQ2LFG, and you can join our Facebook page, which you just go onto Facebook and search EQ2LFG. We are all over the place. It's been a very busy spring, and I'm trying to keep up with everything, you guys, so I'm going to try to keep these podcasts coming maybe like every 10 days. We were going to go for once a week, but my personal schedule and editing time and all that kind of stuff is pretty tight, so we will try to get them out. It might be two weeks, it might be one week, but we're expecting it to be about every 10 days. In the meantime... You know, let us know what you think, what you want to hear, what what you want us to talk about. This is a passion project and we love doing this. So we'll do whatever we can to make the community better and give you guys more EverQuest too. Until next time, take care. See you guys.